Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Greg, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for the invitation. I'm really looking forward to this. So Greg is somebody that I met through Darren, which has been on an earlier show and he works for Columbia and Greg works for a subsidiary of Columbia. And so y'all two knew each other through a leadership development course. And he's like, you've got to meet Greg. You just have got to meet Greg. And I'm like, okay. I'm like anybody that Darren connects me to, I have to, because he is such amazing. And I'm so blessed to have met you because you're real. You are your ability to lead through a human centric and human needed leadership is just awesome. So I'm excited for the listeners to get and listen in on this conversation. So let's get started. Greg, what are you not sorry for? Um, not, not sorry for being bold and leaning into the, the team as a whole. You know, when I, we, we talked about the, the message for today, you know, and how we'd kind of lay this out, you know, it really became real clear that one of the things that I've learned through my career and particularly through the development training that I did with Darren was I think as, as leaders, oftentimes we, we don't pay attention to the small detail around us. You know, we're not really thinking about the people around us as individuals, but also the work too, as tasks that we can really lean into and grasp hold of. Um, very early on when I was, uh, for me, I hadn't thought about getting into leadership at all. I was in the technical discipline for many years. I'd really avoided going down the management track because I'd seen such terrible leadership through the years. People that were so focused in on either themselves or strategies and initiatives that really weren't human-centric and really didn't think about the people that were performing the task. So So I naturally thought leadership was that, you know, it was this very distracted, disconnected role. Um, fortunately, working through the, the LEAP program at Columbia and, and the, the amazing team that, that does that, Darren is an, an astonishing individual, um, really got me thinking a lot about what is it that I want to do? Because I wasn't in leadership when I started that program. Um, I got my first leadership role halfway through, and this is only four and a half years ago. But what I did is I sat down and I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, I need to really lean in and do this properly. And we talked about this concept during the training, but it really didn't resonate to me as much until a, a lot later as to how important that this was. And the simple things like, you know, we think about how we deal with our staff on a day-to-day basis. You know, most people will take the, the approach that it's formulaic. As a leader, I come in, I use the A plus B equals C model for everybody on my team. Well, the reality is that everybody on my team isn't that way. That the reality is that every person is an individual. I have their own motivations, their own abilities, and their own desires. So what I've got to do is I've got to look at person A and go, okay, you're A plus B equals C. The next person is A times B equals C and so on. Because that really is how I have to think about it. So when I'm thinking about this leaning in concept, 
it applies to everything and everybody. Um, you know, all the different personalities on my team need a different approach. So what I've got to do as a leader, and I think this is where the human centric part of it comes in. I can't walk into the room and just be me and be constantly me for everybody on the team. I have to change my approach when I'm doing my one-on-ones. The conversation with everybody on my team is different Mm -hmm. and it should be. But likewise, the conversations I have with the people around me, whether it be my leadership, the people that in my leaders, my managers, my peers, or anybody else, I have to really think about what's their motivation. What are they trying to get to? And I think an important facet of this for me was recognizing that back to that word motivation is what is somebody's motivation? And it's not the, you know, motivating them by giving them a smack on the butt, you know, to, to drive them forward or the carrot that's dragging them. In the workplace, we all have our own goals, mm-hmm. corporate goals, initiatives, personal goals. And what we're trying to do is we're all trying to get the best out of every day. And if I lean into those people and really genuinely understand who they are, I've always said that people first, work second, but the work will very over quickly, quickly overtake the people aspect because you then create these deep relationships that are long lasting. And that means that when you then need to work with somebody and you need to have a difficult conversation, it's much easier because you understand who they are. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there's so many things I love out of this one. I, I hear the so much amount of emotional intelligence that's in that and that's ability to be aware and be uh, with your emotions as well, but also just the people that you have. And I love that you talked about how leadership is not a, a formula that a lot of times that we give and it, it can be leadership at home with your kids and your spouse or be leadership at work with your team, or it could even be at play. There's so many times that we are put in situations and we're like, Oh, well, if we do a plus B, we're always going to get C. And somebody said to me one time that it's like a recipe, like any, some recipes, you got to add salt on some, you got to add sweetness on others. And everybody has their own difference and all unique perspectives. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But the power that you talk about is leaning into that and getting to know them. Yeah. So during this time now more than ever, how have you seen leaning in positively impact your team? So in, in many ways, and it's really interesting. So um, like a lot of people, we're all working from home. We're, and if you're leaders, you're managing your teams remotely. I was put in a very unique situation. I came down to this Prana job February 10th. I hadn't fully transitioned in. I then came down here at the beginning of March to fully step into this role. And two weeks later, we locked down and went into COVID. So I'd literally had six weeks of FaceTime with my team. So you know, anybody who's changed roles or taken over a new team will realize Six weeks is not enough time to really get to know people. You're just still trying to figure out where your chair is, let alone, you know, how the people are. Um, So this presented a very unique opportunity, but also I look at it as it presented me a very unique advantage because now what I had to do is I had to figure out how in this remote working environment that I was going to be able to work with these people successfully and effectively. So. This is where the leaning in really took over is I actually did. I sat down at home and I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to dedicate to the Mm one-on-ones. So I have a one-on-one with my team every week. I have a half hour. What we've also done is we've carved off time for just team meetings. So Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, two half hours and a full hour. And that's really where the work gets done. 
That, that's work time. But my one-on-one -on -one time, I've changed that from being a conversation about work to a conversation about them. Work comes up, but that's not where it starts. And I think this was a very conscious decision on my part to say, if I'm going to do this one-on-one -on -one and I'm going to be remote, I don't have the advantage where I'm in the office where I can just pop to somebody's desk or I can see the emotional reaction they're having to something or hear the dialogue. You know, I've always sat close by my team and you're hearing that dialogue. And this is where paying attention really comes in again, leaning into what they're doing, listening to what's going on around you. You have to be very cognizant of the environment. I don't have that now. And I've got this brand new team that I'm working with. Um, and I'm finding that's hugely successful because now again, when I'm going into these one-on-ones, my first conversation is how are you holding up? How mm -hmm. are you doing? And the other thing too, is you have to be super careful about this because it cannot seem fake or forced. You <laughs> have to genuinely care. Um, and you know, I, and I do, I care about people. That's been, you know, a consistent in my entire career, but in my life, I, I like people. I'm a people person. And because of that though, I really care about their well-being. And at the end of the day, and it, and it sounds very contrived and it, we are in the workplace after all, I do have to care about them to get the most out of them. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm still a functional manager. I'm still a manager that's trying to get work out of my team and to satisfy the goals of our business and make the business profitable. Mm -hmm. But the beauty is, is that if you get the balance right, if you can get the people on your, on your team, A, to trust you, which is the hardest thing to do. But also, if you can understand them, even if they don't trust you, at least you understand they don't trust you, but you have to pay attention to that. And I think, again, by being very deliberate in my one-on-ones with my team, I think I've, I've gotten to learn who they are very well. And, and the great thing is with, with web broadcasting tools, we use you know, Microsoft Teams internally. Every time I'm on a call with anybody on my team, the webcam's on. Mm -hmm. Every single time. And that, that's important too, because part of this whole process of leaning in is if you're going to be, if you're going to engage somebody, you have to engage them face to face because it's those micro expressions that tell you whether they're getting what you're saying or not. Uh, and I think, again, you have to be so aware of the people around you and what they're thinking and feeling with not, what, not listening to what they're saying. Because mm -hmm. again, so if you understand them, you can recognize that flip that comes through the face that goes, ah, they're not buying what I'm saying. Why not? Yeah, and I think that's that's an important thing. I actually had somebody do a sales call with me, and they didn't have their face to face on, and I cut them off. Like I was like, like if anything, all my salespeople, y'all should have your cameras on. Yeah. Um, because you can't connect with people. Um, but it, it's the importance of seeing people as people, and that's the one thing that I love is the beauty of this too is with tech. So people are like, it's not. It, and it's not, it's not the same as being face to face, but it's still, I love, the one thing I love is the beauty of it is that I have to have eye contact with you. Yeah. Like I can't be doing things. I can't be looking over here. I can't be doing, like you have to intentionally set the time. So a lot of people are having what's called the zoom fatigue or um, the online video fatigue. And so, but it, but it's extremely important in the aspect to be able to have those conversations. Yes. Yeah. But I think, I think the key part is, is that you allow the space for people to have emotions and to be able to show up. So whenever people hear leaning in, a lot of times for leaders on a negative concept, some people are like, well, they're leaning in to micromanage. 
And I know you and how much that's not your approach. Yes. But people that are hearing this, how do they, because there's still a lot of people that want to separate work from life. And I always say, let's embrace the and. Um, What's been the power of embracing the and? And and how have you helped people understand that you're not being nosy and you're not micromanaging? You actually care. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack in that for sure. Um, I said to you, I should write a book on some of this stuff. But the reality is that when you sit and you start thinking about the micromanagement piece, again, back to my past, so many of I've had so many leaders that were micromanagers that were too intent on the fine detail and telling you how to do your job. Um, I had a a guy I worked with, a a manager of mine way back early in my career, Brian Livesey, was an, an amazing manager when I was in my sequent days. Um, he actually had a statement that I use even to this day. And he said, I don't know what you do, but you're the best at it. You think about that for a moment. If you truly take that to heart, that means that I trust my team to do their job. Mm-hmm. And the way I, I guide my team along this path is, and I'm very clear with them. I'm not here to do your job. You, if you need help, you ask me, I'm going to give you clear instruction about what I need you to do and how I need you to, you know, to what the end state goal is. I will give you as much framework and structure around that as possible, but I'm not going to tell you how to execute it. And I think that is such an important distinction. Very, very powerful because you have to let your team realize that the function they're performing adds value. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they're adding value. And and I've said it, I've heard it endlessly was, why am I here if you're just going to tell me what to do? Mm -hmm. I've heard that so many times through my career and and it's so true. If my manager can do my job so much better than me, why are you hiring me? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm in this new role. So now I've got this expanded role. I, I have responsibility for all technology within the walls of Piranha mm-hmm. and outside of that now. Now, admittedly, Columbia owns you know, some of our infrastructure. But at the end of the day, if things don't work, it's still my, I get my ass chewed out because yeah. of the function. But the reality is I don't know everything there is to know about networks, telephones, desktop support or the suite of applications that we run, you know, or how a warehouse management system operates or the, the, the alarm systems in the building. I, but I don't need to. There's a suite of great people on my team and the teams around me who are able to do that work. And this is where I think too, there's, there's two sides to it is letting them do the work, making sure that, that they they feel compelled. It's theirs, their ownership. But here's yeah. the secret sauce in that too is, you have to make sure you recognize their contribution as well. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm telling them, hey, great job, as soon as they've done something really good, or even if they didn't do something great, but I recognize, hey, thank you, that's exactly what I needed. What I shouldn't do is I shouldn't take something from them and immediately rework it into my own format and make mm-hmm. it my own. Um, and, and then also when you're sharing stuff that your team have given to you is giving them that recognition and I do this all the time when I'm dealing with my senior leadership, I'm making it very clear that my goal for my success, for me to be successful, sorry, I need to make sure my team looks as good as possible. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can do that is to make sure everybody on my team is being successful. Mm-hmm. And it's not when I'm talking to my senior leadership about, look what I did. Here's what this person did. Here's what the group did. Here's what the function did for us. So that whole kind of thinking about how to operate with people is such a powerful part of that. And then to the first part of the question was, you know, 
Where's the distinction between home life and the work life? Where's that balance? You know, as managers, we, we have guidelines in this country. There are some things we can't talk about. Um, but I've always said, though, the important part is you need to bring a little bit of you to work every single day. Mm -hmm. if, if you're not bringing some of you to work, you start going into that stressor mode where you're starting to be that false fake person. And you can, if you look, study your Myers-Briggs or any of those personality insights that show what happens under stress, effectively you inverse your personality type. Mm -hmm. So if you're at work and you're constantly not you, you're constantly under stress. Mm -hmm. So the important part of that is when I'm dealing with my team and I'm thinking about them as people, I have to be careful I don't cross a line. But at the same time, I also have to, like I said, my opening comment with them is, how are you doing today? Is there mm -hmm. anything that you need that I can help you with? And being very open and vulnerable to what may actually come back. And, you know, I've had instances with my own team and people on other teams um, through my career where people have come to me and shared things that are very personal, but I've helped them navigate through that in the workplace and gotten them to a point where they're back to the normal selves again. And I think as a manager, you have to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. That boundary doesn't get crossed until your employee crosses it and then entrusts in you information that you then have to act on in whatever way that is. And my goal is always to be as helpful as possible to the people around me. Mm -hmm. And it's going to that, that psychological safety and building a safe space for people yes. who open up and have those conversations to let their guards down. Because if you're always in that fight, flight, or freeze, and mm -hmm. that aspect that you're shutting off your innovation and you're sh shutting off your learning centers and your growth, like, what are you, what else are you going to do? You're just yeah. going to be a robot self and you're going to do what they say, you know, and how they say it and when they say it. You're not going to get to the things that you want that I know that your company definitely is big on innovation and growing and, and thinking big. And so that's something that I think is very important. And, and I love that it's a culture concept. Yeah. To and the power of culture. So I guess. What do you comment on that one? No. Yeah. You know, it is important. And I think that um, definitely Columbia is a brand in the leadership development program that they put in place. It's very much a part of it is that you have to lead. You have to lead almost from the heart, not just from the head. And I think it's getting the balance between the two is such an important part. And, and I know we, we talked about, you know, prior to this is that some people think that you can't be human in the workplace and be successful. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the reality is I've, I've gone in four and a half years from my first leadership role to now managing an entire IT division within Columbia brand. And that, that didn't happen. And, and I don't sound egotistical, but it, it didn't happen because I was failing. So my approach was obviously working. Now there's, there's more to it than that, obviously, but obviously what, I'm, what I was doing and how I was thinking about things wasn't wrong. If it was, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am. And I think that's a really important thing to think about is there is a better way. And I will tell you this, I have the amount of, it, almost everybody I would say, <laughs> with some rare exclusions, I would say you could talk to anybody that works and they will all have one thing in common. They hate their leadership. And, and I, you know, there are, there are obviously exceptions to that, but I tell you, if you took a, a swath across the population, the vast majority would say that same thing. And we've talked about this in our LEAP program, we mentioned before, is people leave managers, they don't leave people, I leave companies. And, and I 
And I know, again, that's a generalization, but I genuinely believe it. Um, and it's so true because you can be the difference as a manager between bringing a, an employee who is just average and showing them a different way and watching them soar. And mm -hmm. honestly, I can even I'm getting tingles thinking about it where I've given people opportunities and seeing them just rocket ship away and then stepping back and going, job done. That to me is where I get my joy out of my day. My joy isn't, hey, I've checked another box off. You mm -hmm. know, as a manager, as a leader, we've got a lot of dirty work that we've got to do. You know, it's just the painful stuff. But those moments where I can trigger somebody into success by being thoughtful, leaning into them, understanding what they need, that is the most powerful tool that I've got in my arsenal. And that's true. It is the most powerful one because it is, in essence, work is actually... And, and I don't want to say it like this, how do we manipulate humans to do what we want? And that, that's not how it is. But it's about if you want to know how the humans work, like, yeah. look at how the physiology works. And I'll talk about yourself. It's the golden rule is called the golden rule yeah. for a reason. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Like, it's not rocket science, but we have so many people come in and tell us these different things on, well, um, I'm thinking more on the work side, like, let's do a lean approach. Let's do this approach. Let's do da da da. Just care about your people yeah. um, and the power of that. And so I guess it's my next question I want to have is how has leaning in on um, the aspect of people affected and learning and developing these skills helped your home life personally? Help oh, that. Honestly, I, Darren and I had this conversation many times after leap. I will say my entire approach to life fundamentally changed once I really grasped what, what leaning in really meant. And, you know, when you think about it for me, when I think about it, everything I do, I do now with a mindful approach. Mm -hmm. Um, I, if I'm going to do something, I'm just going to, to do it properly. Um, the way I converse with everybody now, the conversations that I have, you know, even simple things and some simple examples here. So um, I was having some a chat with some friends of mine last weekend. We were out running and the conversation got on to something about, you know, about work and life and career. And I think one of the things that we are poor at in society is supporting people around us that we see that have capability that aren't being leveraged and not being afraid to say, Look, I, I see in you that you've got this skill, you've got this ability. I know you're on this path right now, but honestly, I don't see that you couldn't take any other path. Mm -hmm. um, and, and somebody that, that, that I'm you know, good friends with today, but um, an extremely smart young woman, extremely smart, but is still unsure about what her path is. My, you know, my role in this is to lean into this person and say, here's, here's what I see. And here's the traits and the characteristics that you have. And, and I said to this person, I, I, you know, I'm obviously in technology and in a parallel footwear industry. I've never been in the petrochem industry, but I said to her, if I went and worked in the petrochem industry and I needed somebody to come in and help me, you would be the first person I'd pick. Not because you're an expert in petrochem, but because I guarantee that you would be up to speed and doing stuff faster than anybody around you. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's leaning into those environments that my friends and my relationships, I have a far better dialogue with everybody now because I'm able to 
lean into them, understand who they are, what they need, but also being that coach, mentor, friend, um, but doing it in a very mindful and deliberate way. And it really has changed my relationships with everybody. Um, and be, not being afraid to have the tough conversations, but also but on the flip side, not being afraid to have the great conversations and really truly saying somebody, you did an awesome job at that. Mm-hmm. Not being afraid of it, because I think we are a very disingenuous in society. We often go, yeah, you did so good. Well, the truth is that they really needed some guidance. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's changed my approach to people in general. Um, and I'm very excited by that because it's opened up a lot of doors to me is how I interact. Um, and it, it, you know, I, I says on my LinkedIn profile, you know, I have actually a registered yoga teacher now and I, and I do meditation, but that actually wasn't, that was as a result of this whole leaning in and developing myself because I realized I needed to start thinking differently. And, and I recognized that those things were much, very much in the vein of where I was going personally. So, yep. so you can see that the, the dynamic there, the, the change I've experienced the last four and a half years has been quite dramatic in everything that I've done. And I think it's so cool that you acknowledge it and, and so much humility that comes with the way you speak as well. How you lift morale in times for work, but also for, again, home, both all areas, because we're a human in every one of those. How do we lean in holistically? So um, that's actually a really great question. And actually, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. So one of the, the, the approaches I've been taking is recognizing that we're all in the same boat. That, that's really the key thing. And it, that sounds super simple. And it is. It, conceptually, that's this you know, high ideal. But how does that translate when I'm dealing with my staff? Well, I have to recognize back to that, that one-on-one approach. So if I think about my team, I know that they're all stressed about the fact that the economy is going, you know, going down the pan. They're stressed that you know, every, all the retail stores got closed. You know, they're stressed that they're trying to figure out how to, how to work while they've got family at home. And you know, every one of us has seen a Zoom call where the kids have been running through the background. Um, you know, at those times, what I've got to do when I'm doing my team meetings or even in my one-on-ones is, again, to that how are you doing piece but also saying, hey, you know, I recognize where you're at, but here's the advantage we have. So something I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw out there here is, and, and a variance, I've used variance of this with different people, but so you think about where we are today, the entire workplace, the very fact that we're able to do these calls, you know, like this remotely, and we're all doing this stuff now remotely. We are in a unique time right now. We have an absolute amazing opportunity to write our own story about how we function going forward. And I'm in the middle of doing that right now. I mean, functionally, here I am sitting in an apartment in California. I don't need to be right here. I mean, the company's office is two and a half miles down the road. I've been in it half a dozen times in the entire time I've been here. The reality is I could be anywhere. So what does that mean? Or how does that translate both as a, as a leader now thinking about how my team functions and how, but how does that mean to us as people? Um, again, I've had these conversations over the last couple of weeks with folks who are asking the same question. I'm like, the world's your oyster. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can now say, yes, things are crazy. Things are crap. But if you're paying attention, if you're looking at what's going on around you, there are opportunities for you to do something different and unique, whether it's where you work, how you work, or who you work for and when you work for them. Or, you know, opportunities to, you know, 
for me, I was up in Portland for three weeks, you know, in, up in Bend, going out running in the evenings. I could go run at lunchtimes, paddleboarding and riding at the weekends. But I was working from a hotel. Nobody knew the difference. Yep. So this is where I'm reminding my team is that you have the utmost flexibility. And it's little things like that. So talk about morale lifting is reminding people that it's not all bad. The mm -hmm. silver lining's there. You just have to know where to look for it. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I'm... Yes, I've been thrown into this absolutely crazy situation where I, I'm at a company less than, a, you know, a, a division less than a month with a whole new group of people. But I figured out a way to, to take advantage of this. And the great thing is I get to run at lunchtime and come back to my desk and I could be in my sweaty gear and get on the next call. Whereas before I might have to shut my run down shorter because I had to shower and be at the next meeting. Mm -hmm. I get up in the mornings, I'm online at seven and you know, I'm online till nine at night, but I've probably gone off for a two hour bike ride in that time. So we have this opportunity and this is what I'm reminding people that life's not that bad. We've got, we're working and we have homes. Hopefully we've got jobs, you know, <laughs> but as a leader, this is where for me, I'm recognizing what my team can do and helping remind them that, you know, this is okay. You know, we're, we've got this. It's the beauty of you seek what you find. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you will find happiness and you'll find gratitude and you'll find these things if you search for it. It's, it does not make it, it rainbows and butterflies. Oh, this last three months has been really <laughs> difficult. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been really difficult. But I have learned so much. We talk about my own morale. I have learned so much. I've grown and developed more in the last three months than I've done in the previous three years. Um, and I think that's the important thing to realize is that for, we, we're all learning from this and we're all taking an opportunity or we can take an opportunity here. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing that I love is the beauty of the ability to learn because some people are going to see these as failures. And I'll, all I see is it's a learning, a learning and lesson time yeah. if you take it as an opportunity during this obstacle. So I'm going to end this yeah. with. Final thoughts. What are your final thoughts for people that keep apologizing for leaning in to people? You know, this is the most powerful tool that you have. If you, if you take the time to pay attention to the people around you, whether it be work or play, you will find opportunity there that you didn't know was around you. Genuinely, I believe that. I, and I agree wholeheartedly. And the power, there's so much power in humanity. Yes, very much That's so. So untouched and untapped. Yeah. That um, is the beauty of what I love seeing for the future. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.